Let's go. It is a Monday edition of the Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. And we got a dub in Cincinnati to talk about. And I'm, uh, I think Sooner fans should be really happy. I think they should be not necessarily booking their reservations for Vegas or anything yet, but feeling really, really, really good about where this program is progressing. But as always, as always, there's there's going to be some frustration and disappointment because what would a solid performance in two, well, a solid performance in all four weeks by the Oklahoma Sooner defense and, and maybe a less than explosive one in two of the four weeks for the Sooner offense I mean, come on. We got to have a perfect Josh Helmer. Got to have these things working like my golf game. You're driving and hitting your irons and your short game well all at the same time. Can't have this I can only drive but I can't putt stuff that's going on. How are you, man? How was your weekend? Good Saturday? It was a a great weekend. Good morning to you, my friend. Do you – well, how was your weekend? How was the trip back? How was the trip there? All of it. All of it. I was really – I don't know what's going on. I think it's because I'm getting old – but uh, and you know me the the flight out was one that I needed to forget right away, right, dude. I almost feel like sometimes the pilot sees me getting on and says, "All right, Tower, what's the bumpiest route we can take?" Got a paranoid flyer on the flight, and uh, I want to make him crap his pants. I literally think that's what happened on the way out, and then on the way back. I'm getting these texts that are like, storms, these storms are looking bad that are rolling into, you guys be careful up there. And when someone texts and says, hey, be careful on a flight, I can't do anything. I have no power. I'm counting on the pilot to be as well-trained as he can possibly be. But I was, I was done. I slept the whole way back on the flight, dude. I've never done that. And so then I got home, and I was wired for some college football on Saturday night. But it was good. How'd you take in the game? What was the what was the game day experience like in the Fox broadcast for Josh Helmer and crew? Uh, it was great. Yeah, I just okay. uh, was watching uh, at home. But uh, yeah, it uh, look that's a that's an A team uh, th- those two uh, TV guys. But uh, it was it was nice to see. I, I just think for Oklahoma. There's going to be some gripes offensively. There will be some uh, some wants for improvement for OU. But isn't this kind of what we've been hoping would happen in some ways with this program, that defensively you could win a game on the wings of your defense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But be, before we get to all of that, you said you, you took in the game day experience on the couch watching Fox and immersing yourself in it, right? I did. Okay. Why are people complaining about Gus Johnson and Joe Clout? What happened? I don't know. You okay. know, it, it, as I'm watching, uh, I, I'm flipping around and working on other things, so I'm probably not as dialed in oh, okay. as others to the broadcast. I hear, you know, I, I've got the broadcast on, but I'm not actively always listening, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I don't know. About the pregame show, I don't know how that goes. Like I've said, as somebody who hosts, gosh, what are we on the air, Josh, uh, for on road games four hours before a kickoff? 
I know that this is kind of like that old cutting my nose off to sp- uh, spite my face, I think is the saying. I'm not a big pregame show guy anymore. It's, it's almost, especially in college football, it's almost become who can say the stupidest thing and say it louder to draw more of a reaction. Like, I, I kind of dig whenever Coach Stoops was on there and they would get a little X and O-E. I dug back in the day whenever game day was about that because that's what I want to learn about and that's what I'm constantly challenging myself to learn about. But it just it almost becomes, Josh, who can yell louder, who can have the hottest take, who can make the one fan base the maddest, right? So as someone who's been kind of a non-pregame show dude, I found it incredible how little this day and I saw on my social media feed for what, what was going on in the pregame show and the pregame talk around this game. And then once the game kicked off, which, again, much like a pilot, when people complain to me, I'm on the radio broadcast. I take it as a personal shot that you've chosen the TV broadcast over me, but I get it. As Toby you should. <laughs> but I just, it's, gosh, these guys are these guys are just crushing Oklahoma. They can't even pronounce P.J. Adebawari's name. What's, do they even know what's going on? They're not prepared. This is embarrassing. So I don't know what happened. I haven't gone back and watched. I watched the. I rewatched the game last night like I always do during the Sunday night show and take notes, especially whenever the Raiders are sucking my will to live like they did last night. But I'll probably go back and just listen because if, if nothing pops to the top of your head, then I can't – I mean, you guys help me out on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439, but – you know, we've seen complaints about broadcasters and referees and, and officiating all the time. And nine out of ten times, you're like, oh, okay, well, I get that. But when it's Gus and Joel, I mean, it's kind of like sounding a few alarms, Josh. What's going on here? Yeah, that's pretty shocking. Somebody texted and said people were thinking Gus and Joel weren't as energetic or enthusiastic oh. as they usually are calling a game. Oh, okay. Which, which – uh, I'd agree with that on Gus. He did seem dialed down a little bit for whatever reason. And, and you never know. I mean, remember a year ago, uh, he got sick doing the OU Nebraska game. You know, I um, I found myself in that environment, even even with everything around it, I found myself early on trying to get a little extra juice. So – but, I mean, listen, man, once the game kicks off, you're ready to go. Hey, it's, it's a smaller venue. Let's talk about the game. It's a smaller venue, Josh. It's, uh, it holds more people than Chapman Stadium, but it sure doesn't seem like it. It's very loud. It's very loud in there. And I think a majority of it is the kind of the acoustics around it. Now, the fans, I don't understand the student section in the end zone, right? I mean, it looks. I'm sure it looks cool on TV, but to me, you know, I, and, and maybe I, I should shut up because it worked out really well. I kind of think you want your student section to where, you know, they can mess with the other team and hopefully do it respectfully. But also where it's, you know, to me that, all right, well, when you're driving into that end zone, that, that's great. But when the team's on the other end of the field, that's, it's kind of irrelevant. You, you've got no role whatsoever you're kind of stuck in that other end zone so I thought Cincinnati had some oh I, I guess what the the term would be some strategic things that confused me about how the crowd was set up and how the stadium was set up but but while maybe there wasn't that same juice before man once they kicked that game off Josh you were like all right let's go 
Sooners won the coin toss for the fourth straight game and for the first time decided to defer. And you thought, whoa, this is different. And they went out and made a statement on that first drive. Was it three now? Right away on that first drive. So, yeah, if they're saying that they lacked energy, I could get it before kickoff. But, man, once that thing kicked off and they had their, what, what did Coach Stoops call them, their red noodles that they were slapping together, I thought it was a really cool environment. I mean, it's one of them that you – I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding like an a-hole. It's an environment that Oklahoma usually doesn't see because usually you're in bigger venues. Like, I, I don't know. A lot of Sooner fans made the trip, uh, the trek. I, I'd love to hear from you guys today on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 or on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line at 405-329-9000. Pick up the phone and call the show. And, and I don't know if this makes sense, but, Josh, it's just you walk into it and you're like, yeah, you know, Toby jokes about how he'll open up the room to his hotel room and he'll have a little conversation with the room, right? You walk in, like, oh, look at this. He says, look at you. Look at you. Extra bed. You got a nice, two nice desks here. That I, This is nice, right? I kind of felt that same way whenever I walked into Nipper Stadium. I was like, oh, look how cute this is. It's like a little miniature scale stadium. And, and that, that's not a knock. That's just where they are as a program and where Nippert Stadium is. And, dude, it was hopping. It was rocking. But it was just – it was so – gosh, unique is just a term I keep coming up with because when you go to even Mississippi State, I think, is a 70,000-seat stadium. Ole Miss is, is – you, you go to these cathedrals for college football, and this is like, you know, my, my sweet little Baptist church out in Washington. It's like, oh, look at you. That's your cue. Look at this place. This is nice. Oh, you got your – Oh, look at all the sweets up there. That's nice. That's good. Okay. But just one la- – all right. It's just – I don't know how else to put it, Josh. It's a different experience in a place like that. And uh, it's even a little bit – I'm smaller than Kansas State, right? I'm trying to think oh, yeah. of uh, – you know, obviously uh, Arkansas is a lot bigger, but uh, just in terms of the way people have described it, that it's it's sunk down into the earth. Like K-State's sort of that way. Arkansas, you're coming down the hill. What would you compare it to – in terms of just the, the sheer construction of it. Oh, dude. It's like a Chapman Stadium with a higher with, – with a, a larger press box. I, that, that's my – it reminded me of TU Stadium, which is – I mean, Cincinnati's coming from the American Athletic Conference. That's what they are. They're an AAC program that is now a Big 12 program one year in, and they're 2-2 two and two on the season, and they just got beat by the dominant force in this league since its inception. No shame there. Let's see what you do next week. But it just it, it seemed like a, a mid-major stadium with a big-time feel, with a big-time feel. And I, I, one more thing since we're on the crowd and since we're on the environment, I, I can't say enough about the Sooner fans that made the trek. You guys, you guys circled Cincinnati. On the schedule as a place, hey, we've never been there. We're probably never going to go again. And you went and you showed out. Josh, I've been on I've been on every road trip since 2011. That was my first season. I've seen a lot of places where Oklahoma Sooner fans show out and make noise in environments that, you know, they're challenged because their seats are in the upper deck or they're <laughs> all the visiting – Spots are in, you know, Section 500. This was awesome because they were right on top of the visitor's bench. 
and that Sooner defense fed off it. I mean, it, Brent Venables even talked about it in his post game. You know, I spent a lot of time down on what was the north end zone, and it was interesting to see how much the coaches fed off it. I mean, you know if you were there, Miguel Chavis, what did he do when he came off after a big fourth down stop? If he could have jumped on top of that tarp that was covering the defensive line, Josh, he would have done it. That's how, that's how juiced he was. Jay Valai, the same thing. The players feeding off it. It was a tip of the cap to the Sooner fans that made that track. And there was a point when Cincinnati was driving down in the north end zone where, where all the uh, OU fans seemed to be congregated behind the bench. They were having trouble communicating with each other. And I, I just think that's cool. I think that is awesome whenever you have that kind of atmosphere that you're able to bring on the road. And Coach Stoops said it whenever he was on with us near the end of the first quarter. He was kind of going back and forth with Teddy about it. He said, you know, Ted, sometimes, you know, for, for me, I, I felt like we'd have more fun when we go on the road and get a win. And this is a team that went on the road and got a win. Um, so that's I, – I just from a crowd and an atmosphere perspective – just fun just a fun environment and I could get if the TV broadcasters were a little bit sleepy early on but once that game kicked off and once that student section got going and once the OU fans there got going it was pretty electric now you might have wanted a little bit more electricity from the offense and we'll get to that and I understand it but how come people don't just get excited and say and we got the defense that we've always wanted we've got the defense that we've been craving for the last, what, 10, 15 years? This is really, and it's not just some homer in me. It's guys like Ted, right? It's guys across college football that film study this stuff. Josh, this defense, this defense is legit. That was a top five rushing offense in college football. They shut them down. They have some plays that they broke. Absolutely. It's football. It's going to happen. Very rare that you look up at the final stats and the total yards are zero. It's just the reality of it. But any complaint that you have about anything, I feel like is completely overshadowed by how solid this defense looks through its first four games. No doubt. And the thing that I like the most about Oklahoma defensively right now is they, they just don't totally wilt and panic when they give a little bit of something up. So, you know, you look at the final stats and it's, what, 370, 390, some, yep. somewhere around there. And uh, and there were drives that Cincinnati had that, that were promising uh, in spots or, you know, third downs uh, that, that they picked up that extended drives. And yet Oklahoma typically forced a field goal try or got the football back by forcing a punt. And that's not something we could say about this group a year ago. Mm. All right, quick break. It is 9-19 on a Monday morning. After week four of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this. We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. Whoa. We are off to a hot start on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. After week four... 4-0, 4-0, Sooner football, I know this. Now, I want to I want to take one second here, Josh. 
I don't understand the running back rotation. I'm just I'm just gonna be very open and honest about that. I don't and I don't have to. I don't need DeMarco Murray to walk over to me and put his arm in and go, All right, Plank, here's what we're gonna do. I think in that, I don't know how healthy that Barnes and Sawchuck truly are, especially Gavin. And then I also, you know, maybe they're just not good practice players, but I don't know. In four games, we've seen three different starters, which, again, is – not that big of a deal, but it, it just in a game where you in a game where it didn't feel like you found your running game until very late. If I was to go ahead and have the return of the Thursday worries on a Monday, I don't think my complaint is as much with Dylan Gabriel like so many of you have targeted on social media. I think my complaint is just with. Right, where is the miss in the running game? Like, I haven't had a chance. I'm going to get to sit with Gabe today. But, you know, Marcus Major, numbers-wise, 15 carries, 63 yards, and they effectively used Dylan Gabriel and he had the fumble. But I, I don't I don't know if it's using the different backs. I don't know if there is some disconnect in the offensive line that's not taking care of their responsibilities. I don't know if it's the, you know, the, the lack of having – Savion Bird in there, even though I, I it felt like that Troy Everett and then Daniel or Kane Green came in later and did a pretty good job too. I don't know, Josh, but right now it's just and, and we've seen this before with the OU running game. Usually it's not with a running back; it's more kind of with the pieces of the offensive line. I just feel like it's like a a half step off, right? I mean, is that a is that a fair way to put it, or am I being too overly optimistic if I say just a half step off? At times, we've seen some good things. You know, uh, Tawi Walker has five carries in the game. Marcus Major has 15. Would you like to see that uh, reverse or Tawi with a few more carries? I- is that part of the problem for Oklahoma? Or if just to see, all right, well, what do these guys who each – ran for over 100 yards against Florida State, what do they have? Now, in fairness, when the Sooners needed a comf- uh, deficit-building drive, right, they went and had the, the nine-play uh, touchdown drive in which, what, seven of the plays were were runs when they needed to – when they needed to seal the deal, right? When they needed to, when they needed to get a big first down on third and third and an eternity on their own goal line, what did they do? They they gave the football to Marcus Major and he picked up a huge first down, right, on a third and forever. Right. So you're right. It's there's these moments where you watch them and you're like, okay, that's pretty good. I think what with the running game is just more of a lack of the consistency of it. Indeed. And, oh, by the way, that Marcus Major run that you're talking about, yep, led, led to a field goal on, on that drive. So that's uh, in a game where 
The defense was largely spectacular. Right. Danny Stutzman continues to stake his claim, I, I think, as the eventual Butkus Award winner, Plank. The, like, all of that's going on, right? Defense, mm-hmm. love what we saw. Offensively, th- there were some some doldrums out there. Gabriel misses uh, a touchdown that's a walk-in. Well, so, I can I – I don't – think that's as much on Dylan Gabriel as it is Jalil Farouk. Okay. Well, I, did you hear what Teddy said? You were watching the TV. He said he thought Jalil Farouk was smoked. I mean, if you go back, and again, like for instance, I saw the TV side of it and they showed the replay in the stadium and I was like, oh. I, Farouk had had like two or three or four straight plays where he had, you know, he'd done a lot. And Ted was like, I, I think I think Farouk might be smoked on that. So, in other words, that extra gear that maybe he's in, he didn't hit. Now, Gabriel Hayter would say what? Well, of course he didn't because he saw it was going to be overthrown, right? I mean, just you, it's like pick your own adventure on that front. But that's at least what Ted said on the missed touchdown. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, we can deep dive that here in, in a moment. The, the inaccuracies, if you are buying or selling the – Panic meter right. involved with Dylan Gabriel. But what I was going to say is that major run plank, you know, in a game where, again, defense, very, very positive offense, okay, there's reasons to be concerned a little bit. I mean, that 19-yard pickup that Marcus Major had, I thought was ultimately one of the most important plays in the game, given when it happened and the fact that it led to the field goal. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. But, you know, it's funny. I was – uh my buddy Rob had, had, had texted me yesterday. We were going back and forth, and he, he fell into the – because it's easy to do, right? You're excited about the game. Maybe you're up late. You fall into that social media trap. If it's Twitter or if it's Facebook, I don't, I don't think people get too mad on Instagram, right? But just that's, that seems to be the two places right now social media-wise. And he was he, he blown away. He's like, the defense is so good, and people are losing their mind over the offense. And then he just texted me this morning and said – and there were several of those runs that were a shoelace tackle away from taking it to the house. I, I think that's the one if, – if I had one complaint, it's just you haven't seen that big run yet, right? You haven't seen that, that 60, 65, 70-yard touchdown run that you want to see. That's really it because when they needed it, Josh, they got it, right, for the running game? And, and the one play, uh, it looked like it was blocked up really nice and Major just slips. So, yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing you can do about that outside of – Major doesn't slip, or it's a different running back that's not going to slip. I see what you did there, Josh. Well, and I'm not even necessarily <laughs> – I'm not even necessarily suggesting that outside of – I mean, if that becomes a, a trend, well, sure. yeah, I mean, probably you're going to have to look a different direction. But uh, that that might have been – it looked like, watching it live, that that had a chance to maybe take him into the end zone. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Sooner Soldier writes, here goes the DG excuse machine. You know, continued excuses will not change his inconsistencies. He will struggle in the Texas game. I'll take whatever he does in this year's Texas game over what happened last year, Sooner Soldier. I'm not here to make excuses. He made some bonehead plays, man. But when you miss on a big pass like that to Farouk, you know, the question does have to be asked, how much of that is on him and how much of that could be on the receiver. It's not an excuse. That's the reality of the moment. And a dude that won a Butkus and Bednarik Award and has called Oklahoma Sooner games for over a decade from that booth, 
watched it and said, I think that receiver might have been smoked right there. And by smoked, completely out of gas. It happens. It happens. So if you want to call it excuse making, that's fine. I'll wear that. But I don't want to call Sooner games when they lose. I don't want to be down in the, in the locker room doing interviews after a loss. I want to see him win, soldier. So do you. And right now they're 4-0. and uh, Dylan Gabriel seemed as frustrated on the sidelines as he's been this year. But just it would it'd be in very short spurts. Come over, get his call with Lebby, boom, right over to build everyone back up. So I don't know if maybe there were some things that maybe didn't click. Maybe there were some missed assignments. I, I don't know. But when they needed it most, they got it. Now, do you want to see it more consistently down the road? You bet. That's a tough environment, man. Kudos to the Cincy fans and kudos to the OU fans that made the track. All right, after, uh, let's get to the text line when we come back. It's hopping. 405-651-3439, a full segment of your reaction coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the ref. We are the Home of Sooner Fans. Plank Show comes to you live every Monday from the University of Oklahoma as we get set for Coach's Corner. Uh, our two coaches today, Josh, are Emmett Jones and Brandon Hall, B. Hall. Uh, this is very exciting to have B. Hall on today because every game he came on after last year was a loss. So we get so we get B. Hall after a win, which is awesome. Um, this is it, it's really interesting. I wish I could. I wish I could. Re- I wish I could give you all the Kinnipamaya Chevrolet text line, so you could just scroll through this. Isn't it wild, Josh, to see the split between people that think Dylan Gabriel is terrible and those who are happy with the offense? I mean, it it's legit, almost insane. It's like there's one side that's a Democrat and there's one side that's a Republican, and – you could scream in each other's face, and no one's going to change anyone's mind on it. And if you don't agree with them, well, you're just stupid. Like, I mean, let me let me read one right here. This is uh, <laughs> this was hilarious to me. Um, because I know we all want to see Jackson Arnold, right? But Trey writes, if Jackson Arnold is not better than Dylan Gabriel, then we need to go to the portal to find a quarterback before we go into the SEC. He's 4-0, man. They're undefeated. It's – calm down. Jackson Arnold's going to be fine. This was the plan. The plan is working for now. Bryce Young sat for a year – under Mac Jones. And Mac Jones led a team who was incredibly uber-talented. I mean, come on, they had, what, four first-round picks at skill positions there, maybe five. Unbelievable. But I just – I don't know, Josh. It's it's okay to let your freshmen sit and learn and be prepared for these moments as opposed to cramming him in just because you're mad that Dylan Gabriel overthrew a few players now hey don't get me wrong the lateral how dumb that was not a smart play very panicky he there were signs this week that uh 
don't necessarily bode well going forward. And I think that's fair to say. Largely pretty good. And the accuracy numbers overall have been really, really good for Dylan Gabriel. Like this text right here from the 918. In the first half, DG had 14 completions. 13 of those ended in a first down or a touchdown. That seems to show pretty good decision-making when he lets it fly. He's operating, for the most part, very, very effectively for Oklahoma. And yet, you know, the miss over the top, that play that you're talking about where it was pretty close to being a scoop and score touchdown. Mm Mm-hmm. That's at least notable, right? I mean, you sure you you, you got to mention it. Yeah, you see it, you take stock of it. Um, but what do you make of field position where they started consistently with their backs against the wall? First half field position for OU, their own ten, their own eighteen. Once from the thirty-four, their own twelve their own 20, and their own eight. Those were the six outside of the kneel at the end of the first half. Those were the six different spots where they started drives from. I mean, that puts your offense in a tough spot. Trey, I mean, I I understand that if you say anything positive, it's like, oh, Dylan Gabriel defender. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Josh is right. There's some concerning things. But there's concerning things with every single player on the field. You know, do we do we worry about Gavin Freeman and the fielding of the punts and some of the places where he chose to and didn't choose to? Man, I just I I don't know, man. It's just I didn't I didn't come away with as big of a problem about Dylan Gabriel as some of some of you did. And maybe that's on me, but I don't I don't think that a hero comes along. Unless he gets hurt, your boys, Jackson Arnold's, he's not getting to the game as the regular quarterback unless something bad happens to, to Dylan Gabriel. And I don't think any of us want that. And the biggest takeaway from for everyone should be this. Without trying to gloss over, hey, Dylan Gabriel can't improve or he's got some limitations and the running game needs to improve. Sure. I, I like to believe that the running game doesn't have uh, the same limitations, that it can get to a point to where, you know, it pretty significantly sure. improves. But, okay, let's say maybe even the running game has some limitations, right? This offense collectively has some limitations. The the big takeaway should be this. There's a lot of Oklahoma defenses over the last 15 years that if you had said limitations, you're not winning that game. Oklahoma won the game Mm -hmm. and did it relatively stress-free when it was all said and done because of the defense. From the 918, DG could go 40 of 40. And the DG haters, couch coaches, will still bitch and complain. He should have seen that wide-open receiver they saw from their couch. <laughs> then, then there's this. Does Levy not have confidence in his play calling or DG to perform the two-minute drill right before halftime? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there was 11 seconds left at their own 20. And that, is that what we're talking about? Did you want to see him try to do something with 11 seconds left on their own 20-yard line? I mean, after a missed field goal, I, I think you kind of cut your losses there and go to halftime. DG didn't have his best day, writes Brazilian Sooners. Missed a touchdown to Gibson as well. I think he'll be fine. 
Let's see, there was one more hater one here that I – oh, I like this from Five Star Randy. Life advice. Isn't it funny how when things are going well, we give the coaches or whoever's in charge credit for being the experts, but when things aren't going as well as we would like, we all suddenly become the experts. I find this true in all aspects of life, not just sports. From one five-star to another. Let's go to the phones. USC Bryant is in the house on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. USC Bryant, how are you on this Monday morning? You know, it's always good in the neighborhood. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy because anytime the Dallas Cowboys can lose a game, I'm extremely happy, you know. <laughs> but, but, but you know, but, but I, 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 what can you say? I mean, they can't get out of their own way. They remind me of that, that coach up there in uh, Stillwater. He can't get out of his own way either. That was but, a stinky, stinky bad shocking and probably shouldn't have been as shocking as it was lost for the Dallas Cowboys. Just terrible. No, no. you finally saw what they really were. I mean, I mean, they have been living on that defense. And if that defense couldn't get any turnovers, then that couldn't do anything. He's used to playing from ahead. He can't play from behind. You see that time after time after time. So, that 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 he'll never be no more than what what y'all said, saw right Sunday. That's him. <laughs> Period. The end. But Plank, I have to ask you a question. How Ready. long before? How long before uh, the Sooners go down to uh, the Cotton Bowl? Two weeks. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I I would consider. Maybe taking out some insurance policies, you know, to make sure that they get to the game, because we don't want nothing happen to them going down there or coming back. Because I want to make sure they get there. Because as much as I hate them damn Longhorns, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. I thought Colorado had a long day Saturday. I think OU's going to have a long day in two weeks. Hmm. I really do. It's not looking good. Texas looked good this weekend, man. I thought that was going to be their trip-up game. I really did. I thought that they might struggle a little bit against Baylor, and they did, and they went out and beat the snot out of them. Sark Sark had to get his, his feet under him. Now that he's got his feet under him, and now that he's got the players that he wants, oh, he's going to cause some problems. I'm, I'm kind of worried about my boys out there in SoCal because they did not look good against Arizona State. They let them get away with murder. Now, I don't, I don't expect them to act like Miami did against Denver, but, right. I mean, you know, that, that's an anomaly. I mean, you, you, you won't ever see that again. Well, take that back. You might <laughs> see it again when they play the Cowboys in December. But, but you know. You ain't going to never see that too much, you know, but I don't know. I think I, know. I think that game, USC, Brian, is shaping up to be a defensive slugfest between OU and Texas. And I don't think we've seen that for a while in this game. So I'm here for it. By the way, real quick, before you get out of here, you feeling okay about next week against Prime? I mean, you've got you your know- boys versus Prime next week. You know, I, I expected him to lose to Oregon, not as bad as it happened, because 
that hit on Travis Hunter in that uh, game against Colorado State was one of the dirtiest hits I've seen I've seen yet. But hey, uh-huh. that is all a part of the game. But without him, they're a completely different team. Get him back, we'll see we'll see how they go from there. Okay. But uh, USC is going is going to run it run it up on them. But I don't I think they're going to have an easier time with them. Than, they, than 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 was advertised. If Travis Hunter was there, I would have I would have given him a, a puncher's chance. Without him, no. Hmm. All right, hey but, Brian, good to hear from you, buddy. Have a great day. COC Brian always generates a little bit of reaction. I do like this. Um, <laughs> I thought this was the home of Sooner fans, not Trojan condom fans. No bad uh, bad Brad. USC Brian is just a Trojan fan. Wait, anyone can get involved in the show. We read all your text messages. I, I gotta, I gotta admit, I kind of thought you might see a letdown from them this weekend, Texas. That is, I really did. But they went out and took care of business. I expect a complimentary phone call after OU goes down and blackens the eyes of Texas, dude. I, is it not what Texas is doing defensively, what Oklahoma has done defensively? I mean, this is shaping up to be an early 2000s Bob Stoops versus Mac Brown kind of a showdown. Now, granted, those usually turned out good the Sooners' way, but I love it. I love it. I think, it's, I think the Sooners are in a good spot for that matchup. I really do. But got to take care of Iowa State this week. Yes, you do. It's two weeks away. Uh, Texas got to take care of Kansas, which is a massive line right now. I was blown away. Yeah, that's that's a lot more challenging on paper than uh, what OU's dealing with this week. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hit more of your text. I got post-game audio that we'll share from Jeff Levy and Ted Roof. Neither are doing their weekly press conferences anymore. I, I kind of felt, you know, they do everything post-game, and then you turn around and talk to them again on Monday. So I, I kind of thought that thing might be short-lived, that presser, but uh, no Lebby or Roof today. But we've got them coming up later on right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, um, let's get a couple quick texts in here. Les in Hayes, Kansas, right? Dylan played well. He looked shaky at the start of the game, made some bad passes. What bothers me the most, the missed passes are similar to the ones he missed last year. Still played well. The offensive line run blocking is a problem. They did some zone blocking in the second half, and that was better. Pass protection is good. Barnes and Gavin, if healthy, should be in and get a chance to get in rhythm. Walker's doing well, but he's never going to break a long one. Now, Les, I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, I don't know how healthy either one of them are. I just don't know. I don't know how much they're practicing. Someone said, well, if they're not healthy, why are they in on kick coverage? I'm, I don't know. Maybe they're not practicing as well as you would like. Still young dudes, man. The two freshmen didn't even make the trip. I mean, they were going with those four dudes. Someone had asked earlier in the show about uh, who? Uh, Megwa, Emeka Megwa, who I don't even know if I've seen him in uniform this year. Guys, it's not that bad with the running backs. <laughs> you know, they're just not. We haven't had a guy run for 100 yards, and, and all we did last year was complain about Eric Gray, and all he did was produce. So I I think they're going to be okay at that position. I don't see a lot of panic. 
I just don't understand the rotation. The only extra, I mean, Javante Barnes was the guy last week. He was the guy. He got the, he started the game, got the most carries. Either with what he's dealing with, it takes a little bit of time to rehab from. Gavin Sawchuk had a lot of snaps in two back sets last week, right? Didn't see it once this week. No, no. Sooner tie the other side of this. DG's playing great. He's not perfect, but who is? We got a great defense, and he doesn't need to be perfect. Who would have ever thought that our defense would win us games? Boomer. Yeah, you finally, uh, you finally get what everyone wanted. Man, I want a defense where we don't have to worry about scoring 50 points every game. We got to shut them down. And then, lo and behold, Josh, you um, you get a defense that shuts people down, and you're mad that your quarterback isn't throwing for 500 yards and you're scoring. If it's not complete and utter dominance, I don't want it, Plank. Right. I hear you. I mean, listen, every – I wish – I wish you could see the amount of people that are freaking out about the tight end position. If anything, as happy as Deion Sanders is for what Denver did yesterday, I think a lot of Austin Stogner supporters are happy with the way the people are reacting to Dylan Gabriel. All right, um, when we come back, let's just keep rolling on reaction. After week four of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this. We'll get Josh's take and your takes next on The Ref.